Is it also pouring? And is there any elderly men snoring? That would be me. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a break from this episode and really quickly talk about finding a job. You know, searching for a job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through an interview process just to find out that the very end that the salary offer or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Well, there's a solution. Hired.com is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities. They make the job search faster, focused, and stress-free instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best. Hired puts you in control of how and when you connect with compelling opportunities. And after completing one simple application, top employers apply to you. And the best part is, is that you get money. That's right. They pay you if you get a job through them. Listeners to this show can earn double their normal hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right, you get $2,000 instead of $1,000. So go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. Hey, have you heard about Code School? Code School is a terrific way to learn by doing you actually get to work through exercises on their website and learn how to build code. They have courses on Ruby, Python, .NET, iOS, Git, databases, and of course, Angular. And you can try before you buy, so they have free intro courses to things like Git, Angular, and iOS. So go check them out at codeschool.com and start learning by doing. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 119 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Ward Bell. Hello, hello. Lucas Rubelke. John Papa. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and uh, we are going to be talking about avoiding the common pitfalls in Angular 2. Hey, but Chuck, before we do, I think it's really important to to mention that we are recording this one week before November 8th, which everybody knows is anticipating. That's the hot day on which tickets for ng-conf will be released. Is that right, Joe? You got it. That's right. That's the only thing notable about that day, in fact. Exactly. So uh, put that on your calendar. Make sure that November 8th is on your calendar and that you uh, your first thought on that day is to sign up for ng-conf. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Make sure you to... cast your vote for the lottery. <laughs> That's yes. right. Cast Go right vote. down to that polling place and order your ticket. Exactly. Yep. All yes. right. Now that we got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What are we talking about? Oh, yes. Mistakes. That's Coming right. Pitfalls. Mistakes. The Angular bubble, mistakes. The bubble wrap is off. I never make nope. mistakes. How about you guys? I'm so, at that stage of my life where I can't remember all the mistakes I make. It's it's a very nice place to be. I'll bet. Yeah. So it's a, Unknown it, provider. Unknown provider. What the heck is that? Why do I keep seeing that one word? Uh, well, that's what your kids may be saying. When you come home late. <laughs> when you come home. They call him the unknown provider. You've been working on Angular 2 till 10 p.m. 
you show up. Who's this? This is an unknown provider. It actually sounds like a movie title, doesn't it? It kind of does. I In a thinking. world of myth and legend, one <laughs> man is the unknown provider. <laughs> I sort of imagined that you hadn't paid your cell phone bill, and so when you tried to make a call, it said unknown provider. That could be. Yeah, but seriously, right? We, we go to Angular, we run a lot of apps, and we see these error messages, which, by the way, I think we should call out that the error messages in Angular 2 are, are pretty darn awesome. Uh, they actually tell you information. And one of them I see a lot is you have an unknown provider, foo provider, whatever the name is, and it kind of gives you a couple hints on how you can fix it, doesn't it? Don't go knock at my foo provider. <sighs> yeah, I think we uh, that may be one of the more common ones. Uh, so we get really used to it fast. And um, so who's going to say what the cause is? Who wants to volunteer? Joe? I'm volunteering you. When you, get a, when, when, when you see unknown provider, what did you do wrong? Well, you put in a type that uh, doesn't exist, right? So you said, I want, you, you, it's in your constructor of some uh, component or some service. And you said, I want this. And you have, and you give it a, a parameter name and then you give it a type in TypeScript, right? And it goes and it says, that type is not registered. It's looking internally. It's looking in its provider list. And it says, that type is not registered as a provider in my provider list. So the likely thing that you've done is you've forgotten to go to your app module and list it in the providers list. That's the likely thing that you've done. Ding, ding, ding. Give that man a gold star. <laughs> Are we counting gold stars for this, this we're show? Giving out, we're giving ding, ding, dings and giving out gold stars for right answers to what did I do wrong? Let's what play the game do? at home. What did I do wrong? John, uh, John, you have another what did I do wrong question? Yeah, what about this injectable thing? What happens if I leave that off and I've got constructor parameters in my service? Don't all hit the buzzer at once. Ooh, Chuck. What actually happens? That's a toughie. I don't. I don't know what actually happens. I just follow the examples and make sure that I do it <laughs> that right in the first place. Well, that, that's actually a good point, right? Because one of the reasons the style guide says always put add injectable on your services is because if you don't, sometimes in those cases, and those sometimes are if you have a service that has a constructor that tries to inject something, those particular times it's going to have some problems. And it's very related to provider issue. Ward, right. I'll volunteer you. What is that? Uh, you know, I don't actually know what error you get if you leave it off. Uh, I was just about to run some code and find out. So, <laughs> so yeah, it'll happen, right? First step there is, even if you don't have constructor parameters, even if you're like, oh, this service is stateless, I don't have any external dependencies, I don't need to include it this time. Don't do it. Just include it. Yeah, and there was an argument a while ago made, and it was I'd say it was plausible in the beginning of, you know, why should I put this extra at injectable in there, which means you need the import statement for it, if I don't need it, right? I mean, it's just wasting code, and it's an extra function, but I think, the, you know, we're really talking about a tick at this point. It's, right. it's such a negligible uh, overhead, and it saves you from possible issues later on that I always do it. I have always been of the opinion that it's way less important to have your code tight than it is to code to human. Don't code for the computer, code for the humans, right? It's you, it. your coworkers, the guys that come after you, uh, whether they are junior or senior. Missing that, getting an error, and not realizing that it's because the ad injectable isn't there is 
10 times more cost to your whole organization than any performance cost you are likely to see on 999 out of 1,000 projects. I just have to point out, too, that my coworkers that I'm writing this code nicely for is me after I've forgotten everything that I did this week. <laughs> right. Yeah, but be because, kind to yourself. Yeah, but because we were wondering, uh, and it's an example of the kind of messages you get, the answer is, because I just did it, can't resolve all parameters for hero service. And then it lists the parameters it can't resolve. I think I could get that. Now, that doesn't tell me add injectable. Um, it doesn't tell me what to do about it, but it does tell me what it is. And that this gets us into the whole question of what's a great error message. And uh, I, I have uh, hopes that in the future, what we're going to do with some of these error messages is have uh, include links to a web page where you can learn more about that error and possible solutions to it. Um, but I think that, that that error message is a pretty good start. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, and some I, error messages are... Go ahead, Chuck. I do want to just jump in here really quickly because these seem like uh, both of these things so far are things that you sort of forgot to do that you should have done. And I'm wondering, or, or, I guess that's one type of common pitfall, but when I think common pitfalls, usually they're things that the framework sort of leads me to do that aren't quite correct. And so I'm wondering, I mean, are there things like that where it's, I think it worked this way, but it doesn't actually work that way. Or it, it leads me to organize my code poorly because it kind of walks me down the road of doing this other thing. Well, it can certainly, there are definitely things that lead you, but there's definitely plenty of common pitfalls that are just, it's just so easy to forget this and right. miss this, right? So I don't think we should def- necessarily restrict ourselves to just the things that that's, the framework that's pushes you towards. Right. Yeah, I know one of them that I've run into once or twice, too, is especially since some of us have worked with Angular since the alphas and betas. At one point, I was listing all my temple URLs and CSS with paths. I would say app slash feature slash customer slash customer.html for my template URL. And that works to a certain degree, but once we started getting into relative paths with the modules and things like Webpack do this for you automatically... Uh, and right now, we're, if you're not using Webpack, we use the module ID. Uh, once you start using those relative paths, the full path kind of conflicts with that. Uh, so that's something I run into once in a while when I forget. Again, it's just more of a forgotten thing, but uh, it's not obvious when I'm typing a URL. Should I do relative or should I do just the name of the file? So what happens, like, originally early on, I started playing around with this, but there were some major problems with using relative paths. Once you started doing things, uh, once you started talking about like taking it to production, right? Um, So it works fine when you throw that little module ID in there for a little bit, and then you start doing some funky stuff, and all of a sudden it wasn't going quite right for me. So has this been validated, right, that the relative URLs now work if you're going to do ahead of time compiling, if you're going to do minification, uh, you're going to do bundling. That was the problem that I had, is the minute I tried to bundle, the relative paths were not working right. Which is the yeah. whole you know, the whole thing it was kind of trying to solve. Yeah, so there's several steps in that build process. And I'll tell you the ones that I know that it definitely works with. Uh, AOT, I've tried it with that, it works fine. The next step is that I took it and I did tree shaking with it with roll up. 
Uh, and then finally, I did a bundle with it, so minification and compression and all that kind of stuff. That all worked fine with it. The one thing I haven't tried that with yet, if I do all that and on top of it, I do code splitting with lazy loading. Uh, I haven't tried that yet, and uh, I probably should. Well, there is there is work to be done on l- lazy loaded separate code split stuff because we and and that's an active area within the Angular core development right now because it's known that that's a problem that uh, uh, it things get lost they, the loader loses track of where it is and it, it's a solvable problem but it it hasn't been solved yet so we're not. These are at the edges of where Angular is today, but uh, we'll we'll get there. Okay, but getting so back to Joe's question, I, though. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Repeat your repeat your question, Joe, because I think we we went a I little further. The, yeah, my question really is: Should I actually be using relative paths? Because it's one thing to say, "Hey, in my dev projects, it's so much easier, right? I use relative paths, then I can move files around and they stay together, and the builder likes to work with the relative path. You know, at least Webpack likes to work with relative paths." But actually, really, should I? Because if I say, all right, I'm going to take this production and I want to code split and I want to lazy load and I want to optimize, I want to do optimistic lazy loading, should I be using relative paths right now or should I wait and just for template URLs? For me, for template URLs, yes. Yes. For doing lazy loading routes, that's the thing we're still working on. But for templates and CSS, yes. And and Webpack isn't going to help you. And and there's no way out right now. There's no, in other words, if you, you're not going to solve the problem by using an absolute path because the problems we're facing with uh, lazy loaded uh, code split AOT stuff doesn't work with absolute paths either. So 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 it's no choice. Use, use relative paths, period. That's the, that's the recommendation. Okay. Use them always. Yeah. And for that matter, like anytime I have a, Component. I'm always making the templates, your uh, CSS and the HTML, be in the same folder. So right. when I say relative, I'm just using the file name. So yes, it's, this it's is something module else. relative. Yeah. This is another pitfall that I haven't. I mean, this is actually kind of a very specific thing again, compared related to this that I haven't figured out or haven't played around with recently. At the time that I was checking that out, you had to use two entirely different things based on whether you're using Webpack or whether you're using System.js. You had to use module, uh, was it module.id or module with a capital ID based right. on which one, which loader you're using. Is that still true? Do you have to choose one? And then if you, by chance, decide to switch your loader, all of a sudden you got to go through and change everything around? The good news there is no. Uh, that was the case at one point. And the last time I checked, and work, correct me where I'm wrong here on this, last time I checked, if you're using System.js, yes, you need the module ID. If you're using Webpack, you don't. And we actually managed to work it out such that we always provide module ID, and if you're using Webpack, it just ignores it. Correct. That way we can... And, can and it's always the same phrase these days. It's it's the, the property name in the metadata is module capital ID, one word, mm-hmm. and then it's colon, and then it's little module dot little ID. Okay. Always, always, always. And the reason that that's now so... Uh, I know. What, I remember back when I think you were talking about where it, the value for module ID property could have been underscore underscore module name or something like yes, that. Yes, that's what it was. I was thinking yeah, right. the right thing is right. underscore. That all that problem went away because we um, now configured the TypeScript to generate um, CommonJS um, with format, and therefore yeah, System.js recognizes that it's module ID. Blah 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 blah. blah. So and when so, you do that. 
So when you follow the setup that everybody's recommending for you, life just goes swimmingly. And when you do that, do you use for your template URL, do you just put in the name or do do you do a dot slash at the beginning? Me, I'm a name guy, but I see dot slash going on as well. I I just use the name. Does there's a style guide? Nothing in the style guide about that. Um, I'm not sure if it's in there, but it should be right. But so there's also I've got the inclination at some point where maybe if I if I get motivated, I might create some kind of a uh, decorator or function that automatically does code over convention with that, Um, or sorry, convention over code, so I can actually. (laughs) figure it out, hey, you know, look, I've got a file and it's called foo component. The template and the CS have the same name. Why do I have to specify these things? That would be right. something I'd love to see. I so, see that coming. So why or when can I just not put that in at all? And it just does it, it for me. If you know you're going to be doing the CLI and Webpack, you're going to use the CLI and its build chain uh, with Webpack, um, then you can omit the uh, module ID. And it, it adds it in for you? It doesn't need it at all. Because oh, what because it does is it, it, uses a, it, it writes a require statement in on the template, it inlines it. So there's no place to go. The reason it works with the way we're the CLI is working the Webpack thing is everything that every time you lay down something that's like template URL and styles URLs, it goes back in and replaces that with require and inlines it. Or it, actually, it either inlines it or does require. I can't remember which, but in any event, it's going to go in there and it's going to do it's going to replace the job, uh, replace hmm. it for you, and it's going to uh, do the right thing. Well, I want to switch gears and ask you a simpler error that I run into literally every week because I feel like I'm dumb when I hit it. NG4, let customer in customers. What's wrong with that? It looks it's, perfect. It, it uh, looks perfect, but it's not. Uh, it's of, says Lucas. Ding, 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 ding. Give that man a star. Surprise. Uh, and I'm wondering what happens if you, but what's the message? Uh, let me go back and see. NG4 of, or something like that, if I recall. When I yep. see it, it's like, NG4 yeah, let of. Yeah, and it's like, what the heck? That's what I wanted. But no, the of and the in are very different. Of is over the properties of an object, and in is over the A. Or I got the other around. And the idea the was to match <laughs> the syntax of, what, the new ES6 iterator for arrays or something? Yeah. yeah, but but what happens? What the the error message is interesting. If you accidentally make the mistake and you say in instead of of, the um, what you get back is uh, template parse errors can't bind to ng4 in since it isn't a known property of let's say li. Well, that isn't the greatest message in the world, but. Uh, if you then read further in the message, it h- highlights the exact spot in your HTML. This is what's really nice about what's happened now. Uh, because who knows, if you had big HTML, whatever the problem is, it could be anywhere in there. It could be any LI. But there it is, uh, pointing exactly to the one that you got wrong. And um, so um, you can at least find the LI that isn't behaving properly. So that's um, that's nice, but it's, and it's a very common thing to do because I always forget it, just like uh, like you do, John. <laughs> um, so here's another common one. Um, I create this cool dashboard component, and um, I'm ready to see it rock, and 
I can't wait to see it. I put it in my template and all that stuff. And then I get an error. And the error is, component dashboard component is not part of any NG module or the module has not been imported into your module. What does that mean, anyone? Doesn't it mean that you forgot to import it into the app component? <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll be a minus 10 points for Chuck. Into your app module, rather, is that uh, it's not been um, declared. Bingo! Ding, 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 ding. You get another prize, Lucas. Yay, more cookies. Uh, more cookies for you. So you get to choose the next favorite error. So this is actually one I ran into um, about a week and a half ago, and uh, I just was actually unaware of this, but I was doing a lazy loaded uh, route example, and in the lazy loaded uh, module, I was wanted to use on use the JSON pipe and dump something out, and for whatever reason, Angular just could not find the JSON pipe, and it's just like, well, what the heck? is going on and so I made it not lazy and it started working again and so I pinged Victor and I'm like what is going on here's a hundred dollars help me out and come to find out that on lazy loaded modules you need to import uh, common and when he said that I'm looking I'm like well I'm not importing it normally and come to find out actually common is actually uh, comes for free with the browser module. And uh, so that was kind of a big gotcha for me is that if you're doing lazy loaded routes, then you need to explicitly import common. Uh, whereas with, you know, kind of the main, the main module, if you're importing browser module, then you get that for free. So, so wait a second, are you saying that it comes with browser module, but you have, if you're doing lazy loading, you have to also explicitly load it on top of loading browser module? Well, no, so in browser module, it comes with common, but if you're going to actually use something that belongs to common in your lazy loaded module, you need to explicitly import common to your lazy loaded module. So I'm going to ask you a question, Lucas. I'm probably going to get it wrong. Oh, no, no. But I mean, this is this will this will reveal things. So before that was a lazy loaded module, you were routing to the component directly. Is that correct? Mm hmm. And was that component declared in your root app module? Uh, yes, I believe it was. Okay. So, pretty standard. So. And, uh, and when you peel it off and make it lazy, then that w there was a disconnect. So now you're pointing to the actual, you know, the JavaScript file, you know, for the module. And, um, and I think that was, you know, when I kind of look back, I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. Um, you know, I'm no longer connected to the main module. Um, therefore, if you're, if you kind of break that connection, then you do have to import common uh, you know, for that lazy loaded module, which I, I did not know, but in hindsight, it's like, oh, that actually makes a, a lot of sense. So yeah, this brings up the providers and modules issue, which to yeah. me is going to be the biggest pitfall for most people. But can I can I unpack one of Lucas? Lucas is um, almost is actually um, one of your sentences in there. Um, Lucas is correct, and one of them is not. Oh, yes. Correct me, please, by all means. Uh, and I think it's really, you know, so this is really helpful for all, all of uh, you know, all of our listeners, I think. So you attributed it to lazy. You said that the reason that it was a problem and that you needed to import into your lazy module the common module in order to get all the basic default Angular directives. You said that, that had something to do with lazy. It doesn't, actually. So 
It has to do with the fact that um, when you when you when you had your foo component inside the app module, you're absolutely correct. It got the benefit of the imported browser module, which itself imports common module. So as long as you only had one module in your application and you threw everything in there, you were benefiting from the common module hiding inside the browser module. The yep. minute you create a new module, lazy or not, lazy or not, any new module, and you declare anything into it, that new module has a clean slate. It has no knowledge of anything Angular or anything. And so it's any module, not a lazy module, um, in which you declare something, you're going to have to import the everything that you actually need for any of the components you declare in it. And that's why you need a common module there. And you can confirm this for yourself simply by uh, continuing to make that a um, a non-lazy load, but put that component in another module and you'll see you'll also need in that module to have imported common module. Ward, thank you for cleaning up after me. You're well, no, 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 this is a, this is, a, you know, I mean, this is, this is big. This is a really, this is not obvious at all. Um, uh, so, you know, I think a lot of people are starting out by just creating one big app module and throwing everything into it. And eventually they're going to say to themselves, self, um, this thing's too big. I need to break this apart into smaller pieces, even if I don't lazy load. I just want to break it into reasonable units. And so as you start to create supporting modules, this is, these are the discoveries you'll make. Which I totally disagree with. <laughs> I think that uh, breaking up your code into modules to make it feel more manageable is nine times out of ten a bad idea. Just going to say it out loud. That's what I think. Oh, uh, you know, I you may not, you know, you may not be alone in that. But then, in that, um, but but then you don't have to break them up. What, tell us, Joe, why would you like to break into modules, or or you would? Maybe I'm just a scarred person from Angular One. Maybe I'm carrying those Angular One scars around with me that I just cannot get rid of. But um, in Angular One. Even the, the darn, what was it? The little uh, seed project. Angular 1, seed, the Angular seed, right? Remember this? And it had you had like six different modules in it. And they each module had like two co pieces of code in it. And in Angular 1, modules did zilch, zip, nada, nothing. There was only one purpose to ever have a module, in, a separate module in Angular 1, was that is if you're going to provide your code for other Angular users to utilize, right? You have or to for testing. Module. Or for testing. When when would you use it? For, I never had a problem with testing and needing a, multiple, a second module. But you know, Joe, you can do that in Angular 2 as well. In other words, if you, I, it sounds to me like your position is, I don't see the value in having multiple modules. Um, right. Maybe if I go off and do lazy, lazy loaded, yes, I get there we lazy. Go. All right. right. But other than that, I only want to have one big module. And you know what? That's fine. Nobody's going to get in your way. Nobody yes. Will. Yes, so just but do I hate the recommendation to go and make six modules, right? One for each folder in your application. Every feature should be a separate module. Not that necessarily people are saying that, but I think that impression is getting out there. <laughs> Every I'm file should be its own module. Uh, uh, that's what the Angular seed looked like. No, no. Well, every, every file should be its own module is different than every feature. That, that, those are two different things. Well, and, and the lines between features are so hard to draw. And so what you get with is 
you get this kind of like, well, I'll just every folder, I'll just make it its own module because that kind of feels like a feature. And, you know, what is a feature? What isn't a feature? I, I hate it. I just, I well, just to like me, it. To me, the two reasons to do it, and it's, it's actually the same for Angular 1 and 2 for me. And one of them is if I find something on a promote, which is the one thing you mentioned. Uh, the second is actually for testability. And let me explain what I mean there is when I test features, when I look at code and I say, you know what, this in itself, I should test this without mocking everything else in my entire app. That's when I use a module for it too. Because uh, if I have a feature like customers, for example, and it's got you know seven screens and a bunch of services and stuff, uh, I want to test that feature without having to deal with routing and you know all my other things in my application. So and that's the case where I have a module, either Angular 1 or 2. It's easy for me to just say, you know what, only test this one area and the rest of the stuff is just not even there. So in that case, that's why I like modules for those. Well, yeah, but you can totally test without that. You can you can do all that kind of testing and isolate your stuff from the routing without it being separated out into its own module. You, you can do that. You absolutely can. Sure. And I, yeah, and I was, was, sorry. Sorry, go, keep going. Well, I was going to say one of the reasons that I like to do it also is because I'm, you know, I'm used to having team development or even I split personality development, and so uh, I tend to say I, I like to see a certain feature area, and for me, the feature areas really mean something. They they have to do with the user yeah. workflow typically, and I like to evolve that in and of itself and have that on its own track, its own evolutionary track, as opposed to uh, some other feature. And I now I can do that with folders and not have modules, but I, I find that the module and the folder um, concept works. Uh, but ultimately, you know, your argument leads Joe also to having one giant folder and just have everything in one flat structure. And there's an argument for that. And where I'm mm. going, guys, is this is a great topic for another day because we're talking yes. about pitfalls today. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. So hey, you're not wrong, Joe. Something. You're not wrong. No, Joe's not wrong. You can design any way you want, honestly. It's really, it's more user's choice. But Joe, you and Ward hit something earlier. Actually, Lucas and Ward did. I wanted to follow up on. When we were talking about Lucas's scenario, and Ward, you were right. You said that if you went from having one module to multiple modules, you then have that same problem. But there's a way around that too, right? If I have a second nested, not maybe a nested module, whatever you want to call it, a child module, that child module could import the common module, right? But he could also export that common module. Mm -hmm. And then the root module could import that child module, which is going to want anyway, right? And then, therefore, the root module doesn't have to worry about getting common module. Nor would any of the others that imported that shared module. Exactly. And so why, there are patterns. Want, why would they want, John, why would they want to have a shared module? Why would you want to have a, uh, this is also speaking to Joe's question about why you would have another module, which again only makes sense. In other words, if you only have one module in your whole application, none of this matters. But let's suppose exactly. you're, down, you're going down this road where you think that there should be features. Why would you have one, mo why would you create a module that you would share with other modules? Yeah, and this is especially ideal with Lazy too, because you definitely would have other modules. If you're doing Lazy, you're doing other modules. But a shared module, the way that we've kind of been talking about it, would be something that has, uh, let's give some examples. Uh, in a shared module, maybe I've got a service, like uh, my customer data service, or maybe more generically, like an exception handling service or a logging service. And I only want one instance of that anywhere in my app. And I don't want to re-import this thing all over the place either. So one way to do that is just pull that guy into the app once. Mm -hmm. But there's other kinds of shared services too, right? Or shared modules. 
And some of those you do want multiple instances. And this really becomes a design design decision, which you know maybe we should go in too far down the road of ng modules. But uh, ng modules is a complex topic, and designing your application for how it's going to work based on how you want your services to behave is really important. It's it certainly is, and and that is a. You're right that we are verging on a different show. If you go Joe's route, though, and you only have one module and you never lazy load, it's all easy. Exactly. Uh, um, uh, Which, the, honestly, I just redid my course in Pluralsight, and I went through the entire course with one module. And then at the end, I'm like, aha, I want to do lazy loading. I want to do preload strategies. I want to do all this other stuff. I want to share things. I introduce modules, and at that point, that's the place where things get hard. It's You then have to think about it. Yeah. But you don't have to. You're right. You don't. You can get a real far piece before you start adding modules to the system. Right. Other than the first one. <laughs> Other than the first one, and that's going to. Yes. And every seed, every CLI is going to give you one right out of the box, so you don't have to write that yourself. And you yeah. just have to keep adding your remembering to to add your new components to it. And we just read the message that you get when you forget that it says, "Hey, you didn't put, you didn't declare this." So. Um, it's good. So I've got a related yeah, gotcha, if we're ready for our mm -hmm. next one. Oh, yeah. I'm coding along, wrote, written my app, and, I, and it's an app that doesn't necessarily do a lot of data collection, right? And all of a sudden, I'm doing some data collection. I really want to use ng-model, okay? I haven't been using it before, but I, all of a sudden, I want to use ng-model. So I add it in, and things just aren't working right. I'm changing it. It's updating, but it's not... I mean, I'm changing the value in the text box, but it's not updating the underlying, and something's just going wrong, right? Like, I mean, you know, the canonical example of two-way binding in Angular 1 was you'd put a text box, and underneath it, you'd put a span tag or something that had the same thing. So as you typed, you'd see it change instantly. Well, when we use two-way binding in a real app, we don't normally do that. You know, we use it for something else, which is just, I just want to update the model behind the scenes without having to do anything specific, so I just throw an ng model on so you don't, it's not completely obvious right at the beginning that when I type in the value, it's not updating it. But since things just aren't working and you start looking inside and all of a sudden you realize it's not updating my model behind the scenes when I type into the text box. And why? And there's, so there's my next gotcha. What, are, what am I doing wrong? So, so, your question, so you actually put in, in the tag, you wrote the word ng model. Yeah, in the banana was, in the box. I got that. Well, you did, I was just right. asking, did you do the, yes, I was wondering yep. if you did the banana in the box. Did the banana in the box. Do you okay. know what I did wrong? Uh, NG, did you get ng model is not a known property on the input element? Uh, no, and there's a catch to that. I'm using, I'm doing testing, right? And I'm using the um, schema thing that lets me. Ah, uh, the no known schemas. What is that? What's ah, that? What's that like? Yeah, exactly. That you didn't tell us that one. All right, Jeff. sorry, yeah. I forgot the important part. All right, that's that's an important part because what John John was telling you was that had you done that in regular code, you would have gotten a very clear error that right. said, "I don't know what ng model is." Right. But I'm test. Right. So I, let me let me back up. I'm test driving my code, right? And I'm All writing right. this test for this form, and I add an ng model, and I'm using that no schemas thing because it has some sort of a subcomponent that I don't want to load and run. Yeah. And I, can you do you remember Ward what that how that no schemas like? I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I never remember anything off the top of my head, but I'm going to get it to you in a second as you keep talking. All right. So I've added that. I've already got this. And this flag. What it says is that hey, whenever you encounter an unknown tag, 
Like, the, you know, is really a component, but it's not a valid HTML tag, a typical HTML tag. Just ignore it. If you don't know what it is, just ignore it, right? Because what that really means is I've got some, the tote component that I'm testing has a subcomponent, but I don't want to test that. I don't want to load it. I'm just testing the component that I'm testing, right? So I've already got that flag set, and now I've added it into model, and it doesn't work. And it's not working, and I'm test driving my code, so this should be right, but the test is failing. So there we go. There's the scenario. Now what am I doing wrong, John? I, I'm prepared to tell you when John John when John bails when oh. John bails. <laughs> John taps out. Have you hey, tapped you, out, John? Is, is even he might he might have jumped off or, or gone offline for a sec. Okay, so um, the Go schema forward. the schema that you're asking uh, that you're putting on there is called the no errors schema. Right. And. Um, it's something that you can put actually on any module, but it makes sense only in testing. Um, there's a property, rarely used property, rarely mentioned property called schemas, um, which is um, and one of the out-of-the-box values for it is the no errors schema, which basically says to Angular, um, I don't want you, any errors. If you don't, if I, if you don't <laughs> recognize it, don't complain. If you don't put the no error schema in there and it sees something it doesn't recognize, it complains. Which is can why we do that with regular code? Can we just run that in regular code and Absolutely. Angular would never tell us it's an error? No error perfectly. It's it's in at Angular Core. It's not in at Angular Core testing. It's in at <laughs> Angular Core. You can add that to every one of your modules if you wish, and you'll never get any compiler errors when it doesn't recognize something. And good luck with that. Uh, you'll get. <laughs> You'll get exactly the experience that Joe got, which is he's he sees something and nothing's happening, and he doesn't know why. Right. So don't. So do that. the simplest case is I'm just coding along, and I add that ng model banana box, and I get that like unknown thing, and all of a sudden I'm freaking out, like, why am I getting this? This I know the ng model is a real thing. Angular knows about this. Why am I getting this problem? Yeah, and of course, the message merely tells you it doesn't recognize it. It doesn't really um, it tell you how to solve it. Well, it doesn't recognize. It doesn't say, and I have inside knowledge about ng module, so I know exactly what you forgot. Because remember, this was this is no different than if you had put foo in brackets, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And bound to the yeah. foo directive. And what, you know, it, I don't know what to tell you. All I know is foo doesn't exist, right? It's it's just like that. Now, in the case of ng model, which is a such a, a, a part, a regular part of our Angular development, um, those of us who've been around would know that the problem, the, the solution to that problem, is that you needed to bring in the forms module, the Angular forms module, and if you import right. the Angular forms module, all will be well. Which is which is easy to forget if you've done Angular two for a while, because it, until I don't know what was it RC four or five. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to do that. Nope, That's when you separated there. it out. So yep. and we had long discussions about whether that one should yeah. be there by default in the same way that is to say part of the common module. The common module has all the things that we know should be there. NG4, NG if, blah, 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 blah. Um, why wasn't NG model there? And they, it turns out there's discussion in the, in the history on, uh, of issues on, on Angular GitHub. Uh, it turns out there's a good reason. I'm not going to go into it, but um, it, you know, it was it was a tough choice, but it was a good choice. And so, you have if you want that ng model thing, you have to reach out to the forms model uh, module to get it. Okay, I've got I, another one. Yeah, I do too. When you're done. All right. So I know what the 
problem is, I can't remember exactly what the behavior is, so I'm going to describe the behavior thinking, pretty sure I'm that this is the right, uh, what you what you see when you call it, when you get the thing wrong. Okay, but I'm not 100% sure. I've got an inject property, right? An, in, an input, sorry, not inject, an input property. I mean, got an input property, right? And for some reason, that input property is not getting its value, right? So I got this subcomponent, and I'm, I'm binding a value to it. And inside that subcomponent, I've got the at input, and then the name of my variable, my you know, that's the property now on this subcomponent. And I run the thing, and that subcomponent is not getting the bound value from the parent component. What am I doing wrong? Did you it's use just, the square it's just undefined. What's that? Did you use the square brackets in the outside? Yes, I did. I got the syntax right. I used the square brackets to do the binding on in the HTML. And you don't have no error schema on. Nope, don't have that. Because um, I was going to say you misspelled the directive. Um, no. I'm sorry, this you misspelled is when the I get property. All, now, this is when I get all the time. I get this all the time. I mean, I, I, I had caused this problem to myself all the time. Where, and where were you referencing this input value? Uh, it, it, well, it doesn't like, matter? You yeah, never it get really it? Matter. I just, it okay. just never gets it. Like, I, I throw in a bunch of lifecycle hooks or whatever, and it's like, it's never getting set. Right. It's not getting set. Oh, Joe, you stumped the chump. What <gasps> did I stump? Stump the chump? Yeah. All right. Here's what I forgot. The open and close paren F with the at inject. Now, doesn't it complain about that? Uh, you mean with the add input? That's a, that's a syntax Sorry, error input. when you forget. That's a syntax error when you forget to put the func the functional sure? parameters. Yeah, in TypeScript it is. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do that right now. I know at that one right point. Now. I know at one point it didn't catch you because I remember people doing it a year ago. We did add mm -hmm. injectable and there was no parentheses. Well, obviously um, it wouldn't work in like uh, Plunker since Plunker doesn't give you any kind of TypeScript. But I'm, I, I'm kind of confident. I'm I think that I've had this happen recently in just regular yeah. code, like like my v VS Code editor with TypeScript. I think the rule to remember there, right, Joe, is every time you use a decorator, they're all functions. Yes, decorators Always. are all functions. Yeah, I used to forget to do that all the time when I was first starting out, and it was maddening. So I'm wondering, but I thought that TypeScript started picking that up. So I am going to find. I'm going to check that for us really quick. Right. So here's another. Here's a really interesting thing exercise to go through. Write your own decorator because they're a lot more complex than you would think, right? Yeah. A decorator is a function that has to return another function. When you actually write your own by hand, it's really interesting. And especially when you're talking about writing your own decorator that takes in a parameter, right? Because it looks to you like you're invoking a function, but where you, the function, you actually have two functions, one function that then invokes, that has to return another function, and the parameter that you give it is actually passed in, I think, to the second, the returned function when it gets invoked. So it's, it's a fun exercise to go through, is write your own decorator uh, and have it work with TypeScript, right? Because decorators aren't necessarily an approved, fully completed baked standard yeah. yet. So TypeScript's version of decorators is slightly yeah, well not necessarily different, but it's 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 its own thing. So how it works right they now. It's a fun exercise. They were fun to write in .NET too. Yeah. Oh, Very so. uh, it's definitely an interesting syntax that you have to every time I do it, because I don't do them often, I have to go look it up and remember why I did it the way I did it. Right. Because <laughs> the parameters don't make sense at first glance, but then when you walk it through they do. But the one thing that's nice about that is you start getting this idea that, oh, decorators are functions. I have to invoke them. Even though 
you know, since this, this funky syntax with the at and then the name of the decorator and, you know, just the open close, it just looks like just arbitrary syntax. It's really not because in the end, that open and close print is the, invo- in, is the invocation of an actual function. Somewhere underneath there is a function and that open close print yep. is getting translated into let's call this function, right? So without that open and close print, you've got a function that never gets invoked. It's like put, you know, having a function it's like name. an iffy. Yeah. It's like an iffy without the end parentheses. Without yeah. the end parentheses or creating your own function and then trying to call it by just putting in the name of the function without the open and close print. Yep. So it's, We've all it's done that. To see that similarity, right? So yeah, that's, that for me is a common gotcha is putting in the at inject without the open and close paren. Okay, so I just rem- I just found one in some code, and I remove the parens, and I immediately get a red squiggle. And when I do when I run the t- compiler, it complains. And they both complain the same thing. Unable to resolve signature of property decorator when called as an expression. Supplied parameters do not match any signature of call. So it must have gotten smarter with the with the tooling. Yeah. Is this are you using us with input or something else like? Uh, I just did it on add input. I went into existing input. code, which had add input paren paren, and then I just removed the co- the um, the uh, parens, and that's when I get that squiggly, which tells me. What version me of TypeScript are you using? Two point oh point six. Okay. This and this, so this might be true of like one point eight ten, right? That was mm-hmm. the default in VS Code, and what we used up until what? Well, what's, your, what's wrong with you, brother? Man, you got to stay up. This is so <laughs> old. This is old news. This is like last week. This is JavaScript, yeah. man. Keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that I've that got problem a, was so last week. I've got a super, super simple one for you guys that is so simple that it's hard. And it's something that existed in a similar form in Angular 1. You've written your app. You've got your components. You've got your index.html. Everything exists. There's no errors. You run your Angular app. It compiles. It loads in the browser. Nothing shows up. There's not a single error in the console window. Hmm. What did you do wrong? <laughs> oh, I, I almost did this on stage last week, so I, I'm very familiar with this. Until All I right, so let me it. ask this. Did you put the right uh, component into your bootstrap in your app module? Yes. Okay, so you've done that. I mean, with Angular 1, my first guess would have been you forgot the ng app uh, directive. Exactly, exactly. That's why I say it's very one. similar. It's right. very similar to that. So in Angular 2, what is it? Oh. Did you forget your top-level directive in the HTML? Uh, exp- explain, Lucas, because I think that's the right answer. So You left the tag out? Yeah, so in your HTML, you have to basically... like So components basically come to life in the template, and so it, in the index.html, you need to essentially you know, add a reference or your top-level component selector into the HTML where you have really no no connection to your Angular application. All right, like, bingo. That's it. That's it. Mm. If you and don't, done- you can make all the app in the world, but if you don't actually use any of the elements, <laughs> if you yeah. don't use the components, nothing happens. So your index.html okay, you better it, it have be a custom it, component. It it can't be in the index. I just did it, and it, what it says is it complains that they it can't find... Um, the bootstrapping component. So it can't have been, been the one in the index.html because I knew that and I just confirmed that. Um, but you're right. It, it would be if you tr- created a component that you were using in some other template and you forgot to put it in there, then it would fail. So that's it, gone it, away from... Yep. But the index.html one, you will get an error if you omit yeah. the... 
That's okay. you mean the root one, right? The, the root, root one has to be there. Yep. But any other components you add, like, and so the thing I did the other day was I created a, like a hero's component list and I went, walked through it. I did this all on stage and did it all live, got everything working. And then I almost forgot to actually put that component into the template in my app.component.html. And I, if you don't do that, you run the app, it finds app component HTML, but you never reference your other components and they're all declared, that's fine, but you're not using it, so the app runs and nothing shows up. Oh, that's painful. Yeah, yeah yep. very painful. It'd be nice if it was some kind of a message from Angular saying, dude, you like referenced a component or like these 10 components and you actually didn't use any of them. Right. I actually talked to, there's a guy on the Angular team who's uh, working on tooling to try and help us with all these kinds of things. And um, I, we talked about that so that it may actually be possible to come up, to put it into cross-reference mode. And so uh, not only does it tell you when you tried to use something that it doesn't know anything about, but it'll also tell you when you got something that you're not using. Yeah. And that's really what you're you're driving at there. Uh, of course, you might you know that won't get you everything. So if you use that component on com, you know within your foo within component A, but neglected to do it in B, and wondering why it doesn't show up in B, well, there you go. You may you, what are you going to do? Right. Yep. Right. Um, you know, and the good thing to point out about all these is some of these things. And I, I fully believe that some of these things we're talking about will not be errors in six months to a year. That the Angular team will found ways to either help us with it or identify them. Uh, just like there were things we were doing six months ago that we no longer need to do inside Angular 2. And the tooling is definitely catching up. Right. Thanks, so, CLI. So overall, error messages in Angular 2 today, as of recording... What kind of a grade would you give them? Like, you know, a school grade A to F? For me, it's a B, B plus. Okay. John uh, and Lucas and Chuck? I would give Angular, I'm going to go further. I'm going to give Angular 1 error messages uh, a D or a D minus. Huh? And I'm going to give Angular 2 messages uh, a B. Huh. Okay. I Just because the template stuff is so great, that's my, and that's where most of my problems are. Um, yes. Yeah, because I use TypeScript helps me find a lot of my other mistakes in the tooling and the code. It's the HTML where I usually go wrong. And in Angular 2, you gave it a B? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Lucas, how about you? Um, so I'm inclined to, I think if I were truly objective, I agree with John. Um, I think 1.x errors probably get like a D. Um, at the same time, when you do it, you know, every day for like three years, uh, you become accustomed to pattern recognition. And so yes. <laughs> you're just kind of like, oh, like I've done this a thousand times and you can just kind of start to look intuitively know kind of what has went wrong. Um, but I think that in Angular 2, it's, it's much, much, much better. So I would say D for 1.x, B for 2. And even I'll, I'll say this is that Angular 1.x was full of things that you just have to know or it just wouldn't work. Um, for instance, like snake case to camel case was one of these things that if you just didn't know it, like you would just get bit. Um, even a bigger one was uh, expression isolated scope, you know, that that actually has to be an object map because it's really a string that then gets converted back. And I really have a hard time thinking of anything in Angular 2 that's just 
one of these situations where you know it or you don't. And I think, you know, really huge credit to the core team for kind of, you know, ironing out those really confusing bits. Uh, Angular one x directives, I'm looking at you when I say that. <laughs> yeah, I think the future um, is, as I said earlier, to, to now provide a link so that you can go learn out more, you know, about what the typical causes and solutions are for something. It's told you that there's something wrong. Great. But what if I don't know what to do about it? That's that's the that I think is an important frontier. There's an other way in which I think the errors ha- or the debugging experience is worse in Angular 2, and that's when you get into this pitfall of zones. Oh, amen. If something blows down there and you're fighting your way through those zone stack traces. Yeah, even if you look at the stack trace, I mean, there's like 20 function calls and zones, and you're like, I don't care. This is not helpful. Yeah, so, uh, and I don't know whether that's because I'm incompetent. Um, (laughs) I just don't know what to do. Um, but I, th- I think we, there's gotta be some room for improvement there. Right. Yeah, well guys, I, just, I have, I just, go wanted, ahead, Chuck. I just wanted to chime in real quick because I was thinking like a B plus and, and the reason that I was going to say it is just that, um, my gauge for how good an error is and, and Lucas kind of alluded to this is, can I look at it without having any experience and figure out what's wrong? And generally I can, um, but not always. And sometimes it's a little bit confusing if I don't understand exactly what Angular is trying to do for me. And yeah. uh, so I would give it an A if I could understand it without, you know, understanding some of the under the hood stuff that I have to understand in order to get it. But yeah, that, that being said, I, I think they've done a really good job with making them better. And I'm also pretty well convinced that the only way that they can figure out how to make the error messages what they need to be is to do the best they can and then see where they fall apart. So I'm pretty happy with it overall. So I would give it a B to a B minus, but there's a reason for that. And that is because I've done some Elm. <laughs> <laughs> and after having, doing, after having done Elm, nothing, nothing even begins to measure up. It, and, it just, and it can't for technical reasons, but Elm was, Elm was amazing when it comes to error messages. It's like having a senior coder sitting right next to you saying, no, this is what you meant. <laughs> that does sound delightful. It, 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 it is delightful. So I got an error for you guys. And this one I expect Lucas to immediately cotton to. So listen up. Uh, uncaught in promise. Uh, something something component cannot find a differ supporting object object of object of type object ng4 only supports binding to iterables such as arrays oh yes um are you using the async pipe and actually i think where i've seen this is i've actually tried to use the json pipe on an asynchronous object and so, right. You were so, so hot. I'm giving you full credit. Ding, ding, ding. So you're basically trying to jump, like use the JSON pipe, but it's actually putting like an observable into. You're trying to do the JSON pipe on an observable, and so what you have to do is whatever your value is, pipe, async pipe JSON. It may have it, that may also be true. The specific case I had was where I was, I was ha- I had an ng4 over like say let hero of heroes and heroes is an observable and I forgot you to forgot pipe async it. pipe. I yep. forgot to pipe it into the async. 
So that's it. Yeah, I don't like that error message. To me, that nope. that's one of those error messages. That's one of those error messages you need a pattern matching for. You just have yeah. to see it to know it. Yeah. And I always forget it because I don't get it enough. But man, is that a te- now that's an example of a yeah. terrible message. Yep. yep. The differ. <laughs> of object so, of object of object of object. It's almost as bad as the universally most horrible error message in all of JavaScript, which is uh, cannot find undefined of. <laughs> yes, <laughs> undefined yes. is not a. Uh, yeah, undefined, undefined is, is yeah. not a property or something like that, yeah. and you have no. Cannot find property of undefined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, JavaScript. Thank you. Would you yeah. just tell me what property that is that's undefined? That would be <laughs> yeah. helpful. You know what it is. You can zero it down. You know know what it is. Don't hold out on me, man. Exactly. Nope, not telling you. There's a property. (laughs) It's undefined. I'm not telling you where it is. (laughs) Good luck with that. Let's play a game. (laughs) All right, so here's the last one I've got for you guys. Since you brought up observables, I run into this a lot, and I'll just tell you the scenario. You start coding. You pull in the HTTP module. You're doing an HTTP get. And then when you get the results back, your data on the back end is like, data.results.customers. And you don't want to return that to the, the component. You just want to return customers from your JSON. So you need to map the results. Well, we then chain the map function on the HTTP get. So you have HTTP get my URL.map and then put your function in there. And then you run your code. I hate and you one. get the error. Oh, I don't know what the hell map is. What are you doing, John? There's no map. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> this is the worst one because there's like there's like eight different ways to solve it, and oh, only three of those ways work at any given version of Angular two. <laughs> yes, it's it's yes. that's this is the worst one. If you look, if you search for that that problem, like map does not exist, you will find so many articles and comment threads and discussions about this, and none of them are useful. None of them tell you, yep. give you the right solution, except for, well, about the 15th one you read that you try will actually then solve your problem. And when you're done with it, you're going to say to yourself, I'm not 100% sure what I did that fixed the problem. You may not even know it's about RxJS when you do it. Right. You know, you just write your code and you're like, it's a map. And you might be, like, if you're like me, you might be thinking, well, I use map on arrays all the time. So why isn't map there? And I, I know the word is not going to have this problem. But personally, for me, I've encountered this problem, you know, 20 times, 30 times. I've solved it every time. And today, if you ask me, oh, I got this problem. How do I solve it? All right, I'm going to say, gonna ask I have you no idea. Joe, I can't remember. Solve it. Solve I can't remember it. the right way to solve this. So I've yes, got to go can. and look it up. I can, I, no. You can do it. You can no, do this. No, I'm not even. We, actually, we actually had a chat about this internally today uh, about not about this problem, about the solution. And we all have. We have three or four different ways to solve it. Word we all talked about. Uh, yes, but it was very nuanced discussion. Yes, there's, yes. there's a there's an unnuanced way. All right, Joe, I'm going to give you. I'm going to spot you some of it. All right, then you finish it for me. Okay. Import, import, open quote rxjs slash add slash operator slash Finish it. Import. Import open quote. quote. Open quote. RxJS slash add slash operator slash. Then map. Right. But the yeah, so that like is the short solution. But if you do that there in that file, then you just yep. get the same problem in the next file. Right? So there's these generic ways to solve it. Actually, John, it's worse really than like that. You way. don't. You don't have it again in the next file if your application ran through this one first. Right, 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 right. 
John, so you may or may not get it. I really yeah. like John. It was in the Tour of Heroes. I think you did this, John. You did this like I've seen a I couple cheated. of these generic solutions. <laughs> <laughs> you cheated. I did. I cheated. Basically, I wrote the answers down in the back of my hand, and I, I do it that way. That's how I did it in Tour of Heroes. It actually shows up in testing, too. Uh, Joe, I know you do testing. Nobody else does, but you and I do. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it shows up in testing, too. And that, it's it's a bugger there, too. Right, because you actually, uh, you may have relied on some, well, one of the things, one of the options is to sort of say, I don't want to ever see this problem again, so I'm going to, at the top of my root module, I am going to load all of these operators that I ever need, and then I'll be done with it. I'll have to do it in one place. That sounds very tempting. But then when it comes time to test that service that needs the map, it has no idea <laughs> about the you're having prepped, extended, observable with all those things. And when it runs, it says, I don't know what map is. And you say, wait a minute, it works in production. It knows what map is in production. How come it doesn't know in my test? And that's why. And like a while ago, you could just import observable and it would like solve this problem, right? And that's what I kept thinking. Oh, I just that was a long. Time. It was a long time ago, and I got you so used to that. And then I stopped. Well, and then we like, were doing why? what? Import RxJS slash Rx or something like that at some point, which basically imports the entire darn. That's the thing. entire world, and it's three hundred k. And so what? I mean, in a browser app. By the way, that's what my pals do. Um, you know, when they're doing desktop apps, and where size doesn't matter, as some people say. Some people say <laughs> size doesn't matter. Oh my. Um. And, uh, but it doesn't where they, you know, in their world of, uh, infinite bandwidth and connectivity, uh, and big machine, um, you just say, you know, why would I mess with this, uh, in my environment, bring in the kitchen sink and be done with it. Right. Well, and the, so there's the thing is like, I'm just going to do it that way and I'm going to let tree shaking solve my problems for Won't me. Won't do it. Won't do it. It won't do that? No. Nope. Not, on, nope. not on operators. Nope, 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 nope. nope. <gasps> not on operators. Those, are to the pro it's, those are extensions to the prototype. It has no idea. No idea. <gasps> I didn't know that. I did not know Aww. that. Sorry. I thought Joe. tree shaking was... Wait, wait a second. <laughs> tree shaking can find unused functions. How can it not solve that? It's what, not really, magic, Joe. What did you say, Chuck? I said it's not magic, Joe. It is magic. Tree shaking is magic. <laughs> it, it is it, magic. I saw the talk at Angular Connect. Tree shaking is magic. It uh, is. Just throw, throw, put a plant a tree, water it, and it will grow. <laughs> for for sim, I mean, the way I look at it is for symbols you import directly. Yes, the things that you can grab a handle of as a symbol. Yes, okay. for Sorry, extensions and chains. No, that's the basic tree shaking. But there is like the closure compiler. That can tell. That can find functions that are not used and pull them out. It may be that, although I thought I had heard that the 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 code uh, the closure compiler wouldn't get that one either. And there's certainly plenty of things you have to do to tell the closure compiler what to do. Look, so, look this is just this is the hardest part yeah. of development is tuning your uh, your yeah, application yeah. for production. But it has always been thus. Every other environment I've ever been into, you always have some amazing incantations, and you have to go find the right wizard to help package it up. I heard that Webpack 3's G-Shaking would do this as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting for Webpack 6. <laughs> a year, a year magic, from now? It does not work on metals. <laughs> a year from now, it'll all be fixed, right? And yes. That, that's, why, that's why, Joe, what I do in my stuff, and I think you've seen that, is... What I do is I actually cheat up front, and I import all the operators that I want to use in my app in my root module, 
And then in my unit tests, I always import that file again. That's yeah, true. That, and we thought about so, doing that as part of our testing, except uh, uh, that what that will do, John, I think that's a really brilliant strategy, except that now you'll never know if you um, if you ever had some other kind of mistake. But it, but I, I think yes. that's a reasonable approach. It's a reasonable approach. But you also pick like your 10 most common ones. And if you only use seven of them, you still got three unused ones. Not that there's 300K yes. of uh, three unused ones, no, but still yeah, yeah. you've got those unused ones. Right. And if you ever decide to use a different one. So I've got a way better solution. If you if, a way better solution for this. Don't you use RxJS? You turn every <laughs> you turn every observable into a promise, and you don't use any operators. Ha! There you go. <laughs> or don't use the operators; just use the functions, because that's also an option too. But just then, you can't chain, of course, which right. to me sucks. Yeah, well, and, is, and and you're also then totally using RxJS in a non what's the uh, uh, idiomatic yes, way? Exactly. Right? And it other will developers be the way are going to come do. along behind you and be like, "What are you doing?" When ES7 comes, ha ha, yep, uh, yep, we, yep, that yep. is the way we'll do it. We will... Double colons? Is that... What do you call that the, thing? That's called bind. It's bind. It's this binding. It comes in ES7 and you can... It's ex, For those people who know C Sharp, it's the equivalent of an extension method. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, why I looked at it. It's called binding, though? Yeah. It's so a, it's coming it's a binding in ES2016? Operator. Is that what you're saying? The version that's supposed to be have landed, you know, by now, right? No, Which we're almost into 2017. Yeah. Yeah. We're Actually, the TC it, it's in front of the TC39, and last I looked, which was like today, I think, just by happenstance, I don't think it was approved yet. Um, so everybody wants it, but I I think it didn't come in in time for seven, so maybe it'll be in eight. Who knows? Okay. Anyway, we're all waiting for it. We like to have it. Or it's one of those guys that he checks the weather and he checks the TC-39 <laughs> on EquiScript. <laughs> Alexa, what's the current, what's the current status of ES7? You know, cloudy with the chance for Alexa of rain. News. Oh, man, that's a great idea for an app. That's what we need to build. We need to build the Alexa app for the TC-39. There we go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, I'm going to push us over into picks. We've been talking. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Just before we go to picks, let let's bring this thing around. You, uh, because we, our goal is not to scare people. I, I think. Ah, <laughs> uh, too late. <laughs> We're the worst. We're the worst podcast on any no! yeah, To be to be fair, we could have made all these terrible mistakes in any other framework, and we have. Exactly. We have because yeah. everything else is a dumpster fire except Elm, right, Joe? You got it. You got it, Ward. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it is way better in Angular 2 than Angular 1. I mean, Angular 1, my my least favorite error was that – I can't remember the exact message, but it's uh, basically you forgot a provider. And instead of being told the provider, it says cannot find ng locale. Right. And you're like, I didn't use ng locale. Why are you telling me about this? Oh, my gosh. All right. All right. We can pick. All right, Ward, pick. All right. Well, just for John, because I know how much he loved it last time. Um, Star Wars? No, it's better than that. <laughs> I found a new video on artisanal pencil sharpening. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm putting that one in the, in the show notes. It's the same guy talking some more about how to sharpen your pencil the right way. And uh, I think it's required viewing. Um, but when you're about to shoot yourself for having watched that, I am then going to also post a link to uh, one of my favorite comedy teams, Bob and Ray, doing um, 
their one of their um, classic interviews um, uh, about the the most beautiful face contest winner. So I'll plunk that in there. If you don't know Bob and Ray, it's time to learn about Bob and Ray. All right, John, what are your picks? Oh my gosh, it's hard to follow up, Warren. I'm just thinking about that. How boring that video must be. Oh God. Hey, <laughs> so one. Yeah. <laughs> how to watch a pencil being sharpened. Now, we twist the pencil. Watch the wood flakes as they fall gently to the floor. <laughs> use number two. Use number two You've pencil. seen it, huh? <laughs> all right, all right. So my pick first is going to be a Plunker pick. Uh, you may know Plunker. You may think you know Plunker. But there is a new feature in Plunker that uh, Jeffrey, what's his last name, Lucas? Oh, Totally caught me off guard. Uh, what is his uh, name? Well, Jeff. We can put it in the show notes if we you can't. You know, every time it. I hear Jeffrey, I want to say Dahmer, and that's just really the way my mind works. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Goodman. Goodman. Jeffrey Goodman. <laughs> Split my awesome mind. guy. What a, so what Jeffrey kind of. has created a new version of Plunker, which I don't know if he's fully released yet, but it is available in some forms. And it's phenomenal because it solves one of the biggest problems in the existing Plunker, and that's when you have more than like five or six files and you've got folders, it's really hard to read Plunkers. The new version of Plunker is going to have uh, nested folders and you know open and close and uh, basic stuff that just makes it so much easier to deal with. So kudos to Jeffrey and Plunker. That's a good one. I like that a lot. We started to use that in some of our docs, too. All right, Joe, what are your picks? Okay, so uh, let's see. I'm going to pick the Jamba Juice's Peanut Butter Chocolate Love Shake. If you happen to have a Jamba Juice near you, you should immediately turn off this recording and go to Jamba Juice and buy one. They're absolutely delicious. Um, I don't know why. I just, I keep craving them. I think they must put like cocaine or something in them because I cannot get enough what? of that PB chocolate. No, I'm just. Because I'm in. <laughs> That's the case. They're, they're seriously delicious. They're so good, right? It's it's like, a, it's kind of like getting like a chocolate peanut butter shake. You know, like a, a malt or something, which I also love. Um, so that's the, this is the healthy version. I'm going to pick the unhealthy version, which is Smashburger. Uh, if you happen to live in a state that has Smashburgers, they have chocolate, peanut butter, malt. It's the unhealthy. Well, I mean, I'm sure neither one is really healthy, but the way worse for you is the chocolate, peanut butter, malt from Smashburger. So good. Oh, my gosh. So I'm pick those. I'm also going to pick Tesla's new... Uh, solar shingles and Powerwall 2. I just got this like email because I was interested in the Powerwall with the battery for your home. And they're like, oh, by the way, we just doubled the capacity of the Powerwall and we've got these shingles now. So Tesla's coming out, you know, the car company, right? They, although they said they're really just a battery company. But they've got these batteries you put in your home and now they've got these shingles that are solar cells and they're super cheap and well compare i guess they're supposed to be more cost effective than getting solar adding solar to your house it's getting these shingles and like this could be a really big game changer in the energy uh game so i'm gonna pick tesla one just because tesla's an awesome company i mean open sourcing their patents on cars and uh to open it up and get more people to make electric cars they're great i love tesla so my last pick is going to be kind of a me uh, a kind of pick, right? Like I didn't love this. Played a board game called Covert, uh, where you play a spy, 
uh, or a network of spies. You're like you're you're the CIA or something like that, and you have this network of spies that's going around the world doing spy tasks, and it's just plays like a regular board game, like Risk, kind of like Risk or something. And uh, it was pretty fun. It wasn't amazing. It was pretty fun. So I'm going to give it just you know one and a half thumbs up instead of two full thumbs up. And those are my picks. All right, Lucas, what are your picks? All right. So my first pick is this album called Dr. Hypenstein by Red Ten Bacher's Funkestra. And it is super funky and amazing. And I think it's been the only album I've actually listened to for the last two weeks. Um, It's pretty fantastic. This weekend, this last weekend, uh, my wife went out of town. And uh, so I was watching my boys and I took them to the Legoland Discovery Center. And I think that's actually a really nice way to spend uh, $20. And uh, so they just basically played and um, entertained themselves for pretty much all afternoon. And they also, at least the one in uh, Phoenix, had this kind of 4D like cinema that you could just go in and watch these movies that were really quite entertaining. Uh, It did scare my two-year-old. So if you have a small child... It may be a little much. And finally, my third uh, pick, I wasn't even going to say anything, but because Joe is waxing poetic about chocolate peanut butter shakes, um, if you're ever at a one-stop nutrition, you can get a healthy version that is full of protein and post-recovery nutrients, and it also tastes like a chocolate peanut butter malt, really. So suck it, Joe. This is way better than Smash Burger, although I do like Smash Burger. I'm feeling the love, Lucas. I'm feeling the love. Uh, <laughs> all right, I've got a couple of picks. The first one is is I set a goal this year uh, to listen to all of the Zig Ziglar content that's on audible.com. And I've really been enjoying it, but lately I've been listening, at least for the last week, to um, the Born to Win seminar. It's about 15 hours of audio, and it is so good. And basically what it's about is it's about, hey, um, everybody has the seeds of greatness in them and here's how you be a successful person. And I just, I can't say enough good things about it. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'm also going to pick a tool that I found. Uh, I had recommended to me yesterday, actually. I was talking to somebody about uh, Facebook and social media and stuff. And he, he mentioned that I need to do some mind mapping. And he told me to use software called MindMup. So it's, uh, it's like mind map, except it has a U in it instead of an A. So M-I-N-D-M-U-P.com. And what you can do is you can actually have it save your mind maps to Google Drive. So then you can just access that stuff through Google Drive. It's pretty awesome. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, uh, just go to mindmap.com. You uh, click on Get Started and then click on Google Drive. And you can install the, the app to Google Drive and then it just works. Have you actually used this, Chuck? Have you tried it out? Because um, here's my bit. problem with mind maps online. Where, like, I love them on paper, but online, like, um, there's just that dissonance between writing ideas out. Of course, you know, on paper it gets kind of cluttered, but on, uh, you know, on a software product, which I've tried several, they just never quite organize it the way I want it organized, and it just feels like I'm having to learn too many keystrokes, and I practically have to learn Vim in order to. And a lot of them actually don't even have a lot of good keystroke. Uh, button so it's like too much moving back and forth to the mouse and stuff and so i haven't been really pleased yeah i've run across that a couple of in a couple of places where i I don't know exactly how to put it but 
these guys say they have a frictionless interface. It says frictionless, Chuck. Yeah, I haven't used it a lot. I've fiddled with it a little bit, and it seemed to work nicely, but yeah. Um, I used MindMeister before, and there were a lot of... Like, you had to learn their... Yeah, you had to learn their key keyboard interface in order to use it. Mm-hmm. And it was just way too much. But, uh, yeah. The other thing is, is a lot of times the mind, ma- uh, mind mapping tools will space stuff out weird, or it'll, like, bunch it up all together, and then... As you add more stuff, then it'll kind of start to space it out because it has to. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it has those problems or not, but I've been pretty happy overall with just the fact that, A, it's in Google Drive, and, B, it seems like a pretty simple tool that does what I want it to do. How does that grab you? So it's not, it, All right. So my answer to your question is mostly I, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't deeply delved into that, so... Anyway, but those are my picks. Um, I also just want to let folks know that the conferences for next year are up. You can go to devchat.tv slash conferences. Um, I'm hoping by the time this comes out that you can also go to devchat.tv slash webinars, and I'll have a new interface up for that so that people can see what I'm doing there as far as live events. Um, And finally, I'm going to start posting videos to YouTube every day just talking about uh, devchat.tv and the business and life and stuff like that. So if you're interested in kind of a more personal take on what I've got going on, then by all means, uh, check that out. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got for picks. So is there any news on ng-conf other than go get the lottery stuff? Well, the CFP is open now. So it'll, it'll be open for a while. It's open until January something. So go submit your talks on the CFP. And uh, it won't be very long after this when the tickets are going to be complete, completed. So, like, December 6th is when the final few tickets just go on public sale. we got the lottery drawings until then where we just keep pulling uh, names from the lottery tickets and offering them the opportunity to buy their tickets. And they have a couple of days. And if they don't, then the, we give other people the opportunity. So um, that'll be going on for, like, the next month. So a couple of weeks after the, you hear this. And then December 6th is the last tickets. And that's it. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this show up, and we'll catch you all next week. See ya. Bye-bye now.